Hello, and welcome to the Free to Be Show. Today, I'm so excited to um, have a conversation about reclaiming relationships as an intimate treasure. Um, my guest today has had quite the personal journey and also has quite the um, expertise to share on this topic. And um, I'll bring her in after the introduction, but I just want to say this. Um, a lot of people, I'm, I'm going to say specifically women that I've talked to as of late, they doubt their ability to, um, to attract a partner or create a relationship that is um, that sacred, deeply intimate, everything they've ever desired and, um, and, you know, that's monogamous. Uh, a, a lot of the complaint I'm hearing is men these days just don't want to commit to one woman. So we'll address that and so many more things um, as we get into this conversation. So we'll be right back after this. Welcome to the Free To Be Show. Created for your ultimate joy. I present to you your podcast host, the ultimate joy goddess, Cordelia Gaffar. Cordelia creates sustainable self-nurturing practices that will help you discover your ultimate joy. Through her workshops, retreats, her coaching services, books, speaking engagements, and this podcast. Together, you will co-create your unique sacred experience. So what will this feel like? This will feel like four mind alignment. Four mind alignment will also mean alignment for your beautiful lotus, more movement throughout your day, for your stomach, the best nutrition to nourish your body. For your heart, acknowledging all of your emotions. And for your beautiful brain, getting more sleep. Work with the ultimate joy goddess so that you can be replenished. Are you aligned in your full mind? Be free with Replenish Me. Hello again, and I'm so excited to um, bring to the show Linoto. Welcome to the Free to Be Show. How are you today? Hello. Hi, it's nice so to see well. you. Happy to be here with you, Cordelia. How are you? I'm doing very well. Likewise. You look like looks like you're not home are we on vacation <laughs> yeah i am actually in cabo right now oh wow very nice very nice so welcome to the free to be show you were previously on my other podcast i believe some years ago um and today 
I would like to begin with your story um, as, as we talk about reclaiming relationships as an intimate treasure. My story, okay. The first thing that's coming up for me because there are so many directions that I can go with that is that I've always felt very intuitively connected to my sexuality. And as a child, I didn't perceive it as sexuality. I felt, I saw body parts. I felt sensations. I experimented as children do. And there were no preconceived notions or conditioning or narratives around whether this was quote unquote good or bad or only for grownups or, you know, whatever messages children get fed about sexuality and their bodies and how they function. And so I had always felt very connected to my body, very connected to sensation, to desire. And, you know, it wasn't until my teenage years when I started becoming sexually active that I started looking around and seeing that this wasn't a thing that I was supposed to be telling people about. This wasn't a thing that I was supposed to be sharing with people. And not because I thought I shouldn't, but because everyone else is saying that this is a quote unquote bad thing, or this is a private thing. And so I followed suit and I really, uh, I submitted to the conditioning. And I felt this in my household, I felt it in my community. And that caused me to really go into hiding. So I, I fragmented, like most, I think, adolescents do when they're exploring their sexuality for the first time, it becomes something that we do in hiding, it's secret. Mm-hmm. And it's something that only we know about. And so it, it became very secretive for me. And it became a way as well for me to express myself and to explore the energy of rebellion, which is so you know, so uh, timely for a teenager to explore what it means to individuate and rebel and do something different. Um, And it was very secretive for me. So while it was satisfying because it was my little secret, which is now a kink of mine, I love uh, role play ideas that are secretive or hidden or verboten, like just forbidden, Mm -hmm. because I had to hide my sexuality so early on. So now it, it almost turns me on. But it's interesting to look back in retrospect and see how I fragmented off. And only as an adult now am I actually really doing the work to integrate sexuality into my identity as a woman and as a human. I love your answer. Yes. Um, So I want to touch on a couple of things that you brought to light there. First and foremost, the shaming that children, the the message of shaming that children get uh, regarding their sexuality, touching themselves, looking at themselves. And then the, um, mm, you didn't actually say this, but I'm I'm going to pull this out anyway. (laughs) You said in your story of adolescence, how it was supposed to be something secretive. I would say more so because you're a female, Um, rather, because if you had been a boy child, it would have been like, how many, you know, body, what's your body count, right? Um, and, and then the third piece that I want to talk about is the kink, right? So um, you can, if you could give a definition of that, so people have a better understanding of that. Um, and, and I, I see that you share that as a healing, 
to this repression that you had to experience as a teenager? Am I hearing that correctly? Yeah, you know, I, I think when we allow things that are unconscious or in our subconscious, i.e., you know, things that are in the shadow realms of our psyche to be made conscious, when we become aware of these things, and when we hold them with love and respect and reverence, then they can absolutely become a path toward deeper integration, healing, resolution of stuck emotions, of traumatic experiences. And so for me, you know, when I think about kink, I'm sure people have many different definitions, but typically a kink is a preference or, you know, something that we are really pulled toward. And it's typically um, off the conventional path, if you will, I'm using air quotes, not the path of, you know, penis and vagina penetration between a man and a woman. A kink is anything that sort of um, is unconventional. And it is a preference that is developed at some point along our journey. What I found in my journey is that some of my kinks were developed from traumatic experiences that I experienced. So another one of my kinks is um, I love when my partner like just pats my head and calls me a good girl. And it's not oh. a sexual kink. It's not that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It, it can almost, if somebody saw him do it, he's petting my head, he's calling me a good girl, they would think he's treating me like a dog. But there is something in him doing that for me that feels like the acknowledgement that I always wanted from my mother, but I never got. I wanted her to call me a good girl. I wanted her to tell me I was good. And it was often the opposite. So my compensatory response is toward wanting to receive the love that I longed for from her. And now somehow I figured out how to get in my partnership which is awesome. I mean, it doesn't always work out that way. And when he touches me like that on my head and when he calls me a good girl, I just melt. I become like a little girl. And again, that's not a sexual kink, but it's it's something that is um, almost, yeah, it's like a healing, a healing response. And so that was how I, I developed that. And so typically I find that people develop kinks and preferences um, through traumatic experiences, through suppressed emotion, um, through the things that they're, that they've been told they can't do or that they shouldn't have, or that they shouldn't be, because there's always a part of our psyche that's like, you're going to tell me I can't have that. Watch me go get it. <laughs> yeah. And watch me enjoy it. You know, I, I love that you said that. And let's explore kinks a little bit more because I want it to be viewed as something natural, normal, healing, healthy, and, um, and as an observation, perhaps you have a kink, you know, viewer or listener, and you didn't realize it. And now you can welcome and own it and reclaim it as, you know, something that's supportive and maybe even like Lee makes you feel loved and appreciated. So when I, uh, when I first heard the word kink, I thought that it was only something that happened outside of uh, a monogamous relationship or something that would happen um, in an agreed upon consensual uh, situation. But if I'm hearing you correctly, this is something that you are practicing within your 
monogamous uh, relationship. I can't even get it out because like, I don't know how I feel about monogamy right now, but that's a whole different show. <laughs> okay. So um, tell me more about that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so fascinating. So my partner and I were at dinner last night um, with a few others uh, in our friends, sisters, um, students in our program. And one of the topics of conversation was both the fear of intimacy and the experience that so many of us have at the thought of commitment and monogamy, which I'll speak from personal experience for me for the longest time was like, oh God, like girdle, belt, like just uh, constriction, lack of option, lack of freedom. And freedom is arguably my highest value. And so for a long time, I really steered clear of monogamy or I was in a string of monogamous relationships. And then when I felt complete with one person, I moved on to the next one. So I was a serial monogamist. And the interesting thing about that is that I didn't realize until creating the relationship that I have now that there is so much freedom in monogamy. There is so much choice and range when, and this is sort of the caveat, when two people are willing to show up and continuously get to know themselves and each other anew every day. So any relationship, monogamous or not, can get flat real quick if we assume we know everything about ourselves and we assume we know everything about our partners. And it's like, well, this is who you are. This is what you do. This is how it is. This is never what you do. And we often form narratives like that of ourselves. And so in that kind of relationship, then, you know, things can certainly get dull, boring, frustrating. And in this particular monogamous relationship, because I can't say all of my monogamous relationships have been this way, and I've explored open constructs as well, and I've had varying degrees of um, success and safety there. But in this particular relationship, one of our core values is freedom. And that means freedom to say, hey, I desire this other thing, or I desire to try this thing. I desire to explore this new concept that, so that we are fundamentally free to be who we are and desire what we desire. Now, whether or not we fulfill those desires is a different conversation, but to at least create the foundation where we can say, hey, I'm a human. I have desires. I have eyes. I see other people. Other people are good looking. I also see you and I think you're good looking and it's all good. And so in that space, you know, I've never felt more free to explore and share kinks that I have or things that I'm curious about and have that be reciprocated with such positive regard, right? Now, when I say positive regard, it doesn't mean that he has to like that I have that preference or that he has to like that I have that desire or even that he would feel good if I fulfilled that desire. But what it does mean for us is that we say, I respect that you're a human and you have that desire. Awesome, cool, thank you for sharing that. And so we get to explore all these different facets of ourselves with a lot of respect. And then we decide if it's something one or both of us wants to fulfill, if it feels right for the, the agreement that we have as uh, a couple. 
See, I love that, you know, um, and that is a different way to view monogamy. I feel that the conditioning around it is also very caged, right? Um, so the thought to even um, have a conversation around something that you deeply desire or something you want to explore seems outside the realm of the norm. And I'm using air quotes, right? When in fact, <laughs> we create love, safety and trust um, and security through communication and being free to be who we are within the relationship. I always think of it as you are one um, complete whole individual and your partner is also a complete and whole individual and together you create another whole. And that is the relationship. Now, when we spoke the other week, I was telling you, I have a new definition of monogamy. <laughs> it's like within myself, I am true and loving to myself, right? And, um, and I pull in whatever I desire to pull in to share that with me. And so that's, that's another possibility, but I'm, I'm more curious about the way you teach this in the school that you've created with your partner. You have a school for the modern woman. So let's talk about that. Yeah. And so just so I can answer the right question, are you asking how we approach the concept of monogamy or relating in general? Um, I would say specifically in relation to monogamy, but then let's explore how to relate in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. So we don't have any particular stance about whether someone should be monogamous or not, or whether monogamy leads to greater relationship satisfaction than non-monogamy or whatever, right? We are pretty, uh, we're extremely open-minded and our number one priority inside the school is that women can create such deep fundamental levels of safety within themselves because the, the, the foundation of the teachings are first relationship to self because the relationship that we form with any other person or any other thing outside of us, including money, including our health, including food and substances and people and men and women and family are all reflections of our relationship to self. So there's only one relationship we have to get right. And when I say right, I mean whatever feels integrous and whole for us in that moment. So we don't even have rigid standards around what integrity means. Our ethos in the school is, can we create a space that is so loving, that is so uh, safe for these women to come into that they get to determine what all of these standards mean for themselves. And they get to define that for themselves in any given moment, because for so many of us, given, you know, how we were raised, we were told what was right and what was wrong, what was good and what was bad as moralistic, ethical, legal standards, whatever. And so for most of our lives, we haven't learned how to think critically or think for ourselves or ask, what do I want? What do I desire? What are my needs? What are my boundaries? How do I create a life that honors all of those things and that welcomes in a partner or partners that share similar values so that we can really become force multipliers for each other? 
And whether that's two people coming into a relational dynamic or more, can we all show up as sovereign beings that feel whole and well and healthy within ourselves such that the relationships that we decide to create feel really good for us, feel allow us to feel vital and radiant. I mean, I'm not really sure what the purpose of life is, but I think it's that. Can we live a life full of radiance, vibrance, expression? And, you know, can we, you know, leave others, you know, feeling good too? Yeah, that's amazing. That that's that's so key, you know, to create that deep, secure relationship with self before anyone else. And um, I also love that it sounds like your school is a safe place for women to really explore their their sexuality and whatever their desires could be and be free to recreate uh, the definitions of meaning, right? Because I, I, I feel as humans, we are meaning makers. And whatever we choose to make our life or the things we experience in life mean affects how we feel and how we show up. So that that's a, a beautiful creation. I'm, I'm just really curious, what caused you to create that? <laughs> oh, what caused us to create this? Gosh, that's a great question. You know, there is a saying that my partner shared with me, and it goes, your karma is your dharma, which is, you know, I think in, in my interpretation of that is the things that we experience in life, the adversities, the challenges, the things that forge and cultivate us, if we so choose to allow ourselves to be molded um, consciously by the experiences of our life, then we can use those experiences as a way to give back in service. And, you know, he and I are very much about living a life of devotion, devotion to ourselves, first and foremost, devotion to, um, you know, staying in, in right integral relationship with ourselves, devotion to each other in our relationship, devotion to the people in our lives, devotion to the people that we serve, and so this was just a, probably one of the most profound journeys that I've been on in my life as a woman was the journey of discovering myself, discovering my sexuality, dating, learning how to relate because I, like so many others, I mean, I'll, I'll say this very bluntly, hopefully it's okay. I basically just went through my life fucking a bunch of shit up. And at some point I was like, you know what? I don't know if I want to do that anymore. I think I, I want to feel like I'm getting something right with myself. I want to feel like I'm winning with myself, whatever that means. I want to feel like I can trust myself and have my own back so unapologetically so that the preoccupation that I had with myself for most of my life can dissolve and I can focus on something outside of me. I can focus on a greater cause. And so as I went through that um, sort of heroine's journey for myself, this is what emerged from that. And my relationship with my partner, Ani, has been a huge initiatory portal. I mean, gosh, like 
from one experience after the next for the first number of years of our relationship just felt hard. And what I realized now in looking back, even though I didn't have the foresight then, was that that challenge and that adversity was preparing me for something. It was preparing me. I have you on solo view so everyone can just see you as you get your point across. Okay, great. I was like, oh no. So it was that journey was preparing me to learn how to forge myself because for so much of my life, I perceived myself and I positioned myself to be a hyper independent woman. I don't need you. I can do it on my own. I don't trust you. I don't trust intimacy. I don't trust connection, but wait, I want it. Please give me love. And so I had myself in this double bind for my entire life. And and what I really wanted was intimacy and connection, but it was the thing I was most afraid of. This relationship that the words that I want to say, this relationship completely obliterated me. I obliterated me. I allowed myself to be obliterated. And when I say myself, I mean the aspects of me that were formed on the basis of conditioning, trauma, wounding, uh, inaccurate self-perception. All of that had to go if I wanted to be an advocate of truth, if I wanted to be an embodiment of truth. And when I say truth, I mean capital T truth, not my subjective truth or my subjective reality, but what is here. And and what is here is that we are love. We are always lovable. We are always worthy. And I, I try and remind myself of that in times when I myself forget it. And that's what we're really teaching and transmitting in the school. And we're providing a space for women to discover that on their own. Because, you know, in my personal experience, the way through to understanding truth and embodying truth for ourselves is to come into contact, as painful as it might be sometimes, with all the things that are not true. The fears, the apprehensions, the misperceptions, the misunderstandings that we have about ourselves and the world and love. And so it was really that journey that then as I really cultivated myself. And as I taught myself over and over again, I was just telling someone this yesterday, I was relentless in this process. I mean, I tell you, it was messy. I was messy. I look back on some of my behaviors and the things I said, and I'm like, wow, that's, (laughs) that's interesting. And I, on my particular path, I had to bump into a bunch of stuff to realize eventually that what I was doing didn't feel good and I wanted to find another way. And so as I cultivated that proficiency and now I'll say the embodiment, I, I truly feel I embody what we're, what we're teaching. And so does my partner. Now it's like, why should anyone else have to struggle the way we did? Why, why should it take anyone else years to be happy and realize they can create that now and if we have a way, not the way, but if we have a way for people to discover that for themselves, then why the heck not? What else are we doing in this lifetime? Yeah, don't keep it a secret. <laughs> share, share abundantly. I, I love that. And, and the other thing that I am hearing is, so Ani must have been a safe place for that. You know, many men are not capable 
of putting up with our shit as we're bumping into these things, right? A lot of this is um, where people uh, are not supportive. So that sounds great. And yes, I agree. You can best find yourself through relationship. Don't don't run away from relationship or live as a silo for like nine months or two years and be like, okay, I'm going to get myself together, right? And then you find a partner that's getting themselves together, right? And then when you're together, there's no safety. So um, tell me a little bit about that side. Yeah, that's um, such an astute observation. So, you know, we both had a number of years where we were really going through our own things and, you know, neither of us was perfect, but something I will shout from the mountaintops is that Ani saw the process that I was in and he knew about my, my childhood history. He knew about the trauma that I experienced growing up, growing up. I knew about his and he saw that my pattern was this self-perception of unworthiness and not enoughness. And because I was already operating, I was already putting myself in one down position in relation to him. He knew and he saw me try and blow it up because subconsciously I didn't feel worthy of having such a consistent, reliable love because growing up, my parents traveled for work. So I got passed around a lot to all different family members. There wasn't really a lot of stability. Um, there was a lot of tumultuousness in my early childhood years, which is where we form our ideas of love and attachment. And so he knew that I was going to try and blow it up. And hard as I tried, I tried many, many times. I would use conflict as a way to create distance. I would, and again, while I was doing this, I wasn't aware, I wasn't saying, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to yell at him and I'm going to push him away. None of this was conscious at the time, but he tracked me through this because he had awareness about psychology and these patterns, thank goodness. And he would say to me over and over again, I know you think I'm going to leave, but I'm not going anywhere. And there were times when I could hear it with my head. There are times when I could feel it with my heart. And there were moments where I could accept and receive it a bit. And then there were other moments where I'm like, what do you mean you're not going anywhere? I'm a mess. I'm disgusting. I'm I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. Look at how smart you are. Look at how much money you make. Look at how mature you are. And I'm telling you this because these are the things that subconsciously and sometimes consciously my brain produced. And at some point I was like, this guy isn't leaving. So I'm either going to torture both of us here for a lifetime and, and or I'm going to decide that maybe there's some truth to what he's saying. What would happen if I decided to believe that I am lovable, hmm. that I am worthy, that I am more consistent, reliable connection? Would, would that improve my life? Would I feel better? Yes, I would. So what, you know, what do I gain by, you know, believing the default just to stay safe and comfortable and confirm what I interpreted my mom meant when she wasn't around, you know, I, I could keep playing that game or I could decide that enough's enough. I want to live a different life. And he was paramount. Just, I just can't say enough about, you know, the fact that even when things were hard for him, even when his stuff came out, he always came back to that 
core statement. I'm not leaving. So we're either going to sit here and we're going to do this forever or, you know, decide something different. And he was just very frank and straightforward with me. In certain moments, I, I was taken aback by it because it was piercing. But I will tell you that I respect him more than probably any other human on the face of this earth because he is such, he's such a stand for truth and seeing truth and living from that place. And it's really influenced me quite deeply now that, and now to the extent that I can be an advocate for that in my own life. Yeah. So I'm hearing many, many things. So he loved you because when a man loves a woman, he will commit to things, right? And yeah. his commitment to you was that he wasn't going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And when you allowed yourself to receive his love and his commitment, you decided, you decided that you're safe to live for your ultimate joy. Yeah. Hmm. That, I just want that to land. That, that's so good because Many women, and I'm sure you've come across these women, just the receiving part of that, they will run. They will keep running. It's, it, it will yeah. scare them that to realize that a man actually loves them, right? And that will be yes. committed to that love and be a stand for that love. And um, yeah. they don't know how to behave. So for that woman that is listening and, and is in that space, what would you say to her? Mm. The first thing that just came up was like putting a hand on my heart and a hand on my womb. And it wasn't even words. It was just this gesture of self-touch, like acknowledging, like I am here for, for yourself putting your hand on your heart, putting your hand on your womb and just feeling the presence of your own touch, allowing yourself to slow down in this moment and be here with yourself. There's an instant feeling that arises for me in that, which is, oh, this is home. This is what home feels like. And it feels so good. And when we bring ourselves home, after a journey out where we're, you know, in personal development and learning lessons and all the things, when we come back to this place and we make it safe for us to be here in the calmness, in the stillness, in the recognition of all that is, and it's going to be all, right? Sometimes we recognize all the things we're proud to show everyone and post on Instagram and Facebook. Sometimes we recognize things that we wouldn't want a, another soul to know. But when we can be willing to see that, all of those parts in ourselves and just call, you know, call ourselves back home to bear witness, to hold, then it feels much safer to invite someone in to our home, our beautiful hearth inside that we've created, this home that we tend to. And, you know, just like in a, a regular home, sometimes we're going to drop a vase on the floor and the glass is going to shatter and we're going to have to clean it up. There's a mess. 
okay, we, we grab the broom, we sweep it up, we mop, and then it's cleaned up. And we, we tidy the home, we organize the home, we tend to the home. And that home is us. It's our the temple that is our body. It's our mind. It's our heart. It's our womb. The more we tend to that, the safer it will feel to invite people over because we're, we're tending to the home. It feels good to be there. And so my encouragement is not to, you know, like let love in, just, just do it. Or like go, go at your own pace and just, you know, if you can bear witness, you know, as much as possible to what is happening inside and to what is there without judgment, with pure observation and curiosity, with a willingness, an open-hearted willingness to see what's there and accept what's there. You don't have to like it. You don't have to love it, but can you just see what's there? And if you want to work on liking and loving it after, great, go for it. But just seeing what's there and being able to hold space for it. When we do that, it's like Ani, my partner, can bring something to my attention. And if I've already tended to my internal home, I'm already pretty aware, you know, if he's bringing something constructive to my attention, something that I might want to look at. I'm like, you know, okay, yeah, I agree with that. I will take a look at that. There's no defensive of this. There's no reactivity and there's no fear around letting him see me because I'm already willing to see myself. And the more I'm willing to see myself, the more... I will allow others to see me and be with me and the more I can be with them. So it's just a self-practice of coming back home, seeing ourselves, holding ourselves. And that's it. Just the one thing. That sounds like a, a lot, actually, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because like what I say is things are simple, but they're not easy. Yes. So yeah. what you said is completely simple. Yeah. Um, but not so easy. I love that you began with just placing your hand on your heart and on your womb space. Whew. Let me just say, women are not connected to their bodies, you know? So one of the things I um, have done recently is I, I wear these cute shoes and they're called European heels. So, um, at one of the, the conferences where I was, you know, I was having this woman have on one of the shoes, right? They're made in Spain and they have these cork uh, platform bottoms. So it's really comfortable and it really supports your frame, like your whole um, mm -hmm. muscles and um, skeleton, right? And then she had on her like regular, whatever other heel. And I was like, so do you feel the difference? And she's like, I got to be honest. I'm not really connected to my body. I know one feels better than the other, but I can't really put my finger on it. And so I had her put on the other shoe, right? So now she has the new cork heels on. And I said, so now what are you noticing? And she's like, I don't know. Like I can stand up straight. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's what, uh, in the end, you know, she, she understood what was happening, but it's that slow down process that you're saying you know you have to slow down and and really just feel um and the not judgment part that's another like mm, what am I going to say leap for some women because the conditioning is so strong it's like is it good is it bad is it is it nice is it you know is it wrong and 
so this is where I've created this new saying. Life is what's not to love about it, you know? So that's the answer. <laughs> Do you agree? <laughs> that, that's the only thing we can say is true. It, it is. We are. That Ani shared that with me uh, at one point in time when I was really misconstruing things as true, like whether or not I'm worthy. He's like, there are only a few things that are actually true. Like we are experiencing, we are being, and there were a couple of other things on that list that I'm completely butchering right now. But I'm like, yes, that that's that's true. Life is. Yeah, and that that's that's where we begin. So <clears throat> I love that you're you know you've shared your journey. You share now. Um, how you're helping women in the school that you've created with Ani. And let's, I, I want to define <clears throat> what is the intimate treasure part, right? So reclaiming the relationships, I think we've nailed that, but what makes it an intimate treasure? Oof. There's a sensation forming in my body right now that doesn't have words. And it's, there are some sounds forming as well. So I can feel a, a churning in my chest and then I can actually feel my pelvic floor opening, which is a fascinating somatic experience to have when you ask that question. And that lets me know that it's just, it's this deep opening. It is the, like, Intimacy as a treasure is the acknowledgement that we welcome the fullness of the experience. I, I always say, like, you know, our, our joy hole is the same as our pain hole. It's the same hole. If we open ourselves up to joy, we're going to open ourselves up to pain. Like, we don't get to choose what comes yeah. in and out. Like, we, are, we are the channel experiencing we are the human being experiencing all of life and i don't even know how to explain how all of that works but so when we feel one side of the spectrum we're going to feel the other side and this the treasure of it is that we are feeling experiencing beings we get to like surf the spectrum and be in all of the waves of life and that is how we know pure bliss and pleasure and joy is because we also allow ourselves to know pain and sorrow and grief. And that is not any less good or, you know, less worthy of a state of being than what's on the other side of the spectrum. It's all emotion. It's all sensation. It's all experience. And it's all pretty freaking awesome. So I think, you know, intimate relationship as a treasure is a place where we really get to see ourselves in fullness and wholeness. And we get to be witnessed by someone else in that. There's just something different that happens when there's an observer, when there's a witness to something other than ourselves. And to be held in that and loved in that is, I think the deepest treasure of life. And we get to share such intimate experiences with another person. It's like, I think our existential yearning as humans is to be known, to be seen, to be felt. And as women, it's to be penetrated. 
not sexually. Yes. I mean, bring it on. <laughs> it feels great. Yeah. Yes. And, <laughs> and it's, I want someone to like pierce my soul and know me so deeply that even when I want to hide from myself, there is still the light of awareness from another that is piercing and, and shining its light on the shadowy aspects. And it, it invites me into my edges to see and experience those places within myself with a partner holding my hand so that I don't have to be alone in it anymore. Yeah. So it's hmm, kind of like a form of self-actualization um, through partnership and simultaneously uh, being a con conduit for your divine purpose. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So simple. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Again, not easy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it is. It is. Um, gosh, it's the quintessence of human life, I think. You know, I don't know of any other species that experiences life the way we do on earth, you know? So this is humaning, like the, the, <laughs> the core of what it means to be a human. And so when we have opportunities and relationships that provide space for that, and when we, when we create space for that, because we are the creators of our lives, it's like, man, I know that if, if at, at whatever the fateful time is that I'm on my deathbed, if I know that I showed up like this, regardless of how much money's in the bank account or how many houses I have or whatever, like I will feel like I lived a, a life worth living for me. Yeah. It's, it's a complete, um, it's being selfful and lifeful and joyful. <laughs> so um, I, I feel like we've come to a natural end to our discussion today what would you like to close out um, and, and, and put into the space? I'm just asking if you have like one final golden nugget or invitation. <sighs> hmm. Honestly, the natural words that come to mind is like, you got this. Like if you're a human listening to this, you can't fuck it up. Like you're, a, you can't not human as a human. And humaning involves making mistakes, but that's a, that's a, a human concept, making mistakes, whatever that means, learning, growing, expanding, feeling pain, feeling joy, feeling love, feeling excitement, burrowing and shutting down, like all, all of the things that are, that we perceive as good and bad, it's all a part of the human experience. So if you're here and you're a human, you're doing great. You got this. Thank you. Thank you for that. And I invite you to, to check her out. Um, let's see. I don't actually have your website up here, but it is, um, insidealignedattraction.com and um, if it speaks to you if what 
Lee has shared today makes sense to you, take a look at um, what she's offering in her school and um, start your own discovery. My invitation to you also is um, during the course of this show, I've had a banner at the bottom offering a free gift. So this free gift is at the ultimatejoygoddess.com. And what it is, is basically a seven day journal where you get to witness yourself the way we've been discussing today and you get to observe yourself. And so after taking the time with yourself for a week, um, you discover what comes up. Again, my invitation is to go and check out um, insidealignedattraction.com and see how Lee can support you in her school. And um, share this with another heart, share this with another soul. And until next week, be free. Thank you for listening to the Free To Be Show with the ultimate joy goddess, Cordelia Gaffar. Take some time to go into your depth. What would it look like to create your sacred experience? What would it feel like to create a world where you had your ultimate joy? where you are completely aligned in your full mind. Are you ready for a sacred experience? Allow yourself the freedom to be replenished and free. Connect with the ultimate joy goddess at www.cordeliagaffar.com.